Kia ora. I'm Anne O'Brien, Director of the Auckland Writers' Festival, and you're listening to a session podcast from our 2018 event. Legendary musician, documentary maker and feature writer Moana Maniopoto joined Tama Waipara in the Heartland Festival Room for an hour of chat and music. With her band Moana and the Tribe, she's performed around the world, sharing her blend of traditional and contemporary styles without compromising either, says the New Zealand Herald, and with lyrics rooted in the New Zealand landscape, culture and experience. Maniopoto is an Arts Foundation laureate, winner of the Grand Jury Prize for International Songwriting, and was inducted into the APRA AMCOS New Zealand Hall of Fame in 2016. Her album Rima was a finalist for all three major music awards in 2015, and she is currently in production for her sixth studio album. We hope you enjoy it. Okay, now we've established how bloody old I am. <laughs> Kia ora. I thought, I thought you might say that. I was about to say they couldn't afford an Ika more, so they just got me. <coughs> an Ika who? Yes. Um, so while I was Google stalking you, and you know, I have all these, these uh, personal stories, and we, we can share some of the ones we have because you know I should have added to that mate <laughs> I didn't know you were born in Invercargill I'm an Invercargillite <laughs> my mum Bernadette who's a, of Catholic English Irish stock married my dad Nepia from Tuhorangi Ngati Wahio uh, Ngati Pikio Tuwharetoa Anglican stock and uh, yeah, so he, he was part of that whole crew that went down from Rotorua in the 50s to look for work and all these Māori men worked on the wharves and the freezing works. Um, and so mum says that she went to this party and there was this like really cool guy in a green shirt and he sang, when the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie. And that was it. That was it. That was it. And indeed it was a Māori. <laughs> it was indeed. And so, did you actually grow up in Invercargill? Yes, uh, for the first 10 years of my life. It was really lovely. Loved it. Went this back there last year. It's a known secret. <laughs> Went back there last year to perform. And um, lovely uh, Mayor Tim, uh, who was, you know, a Westie, uh, I sent him an email. I said, you, you probably, you know don't know, but we're coming and thought we might have a catch-up. I think, you know, you just send an email, what the hell? They might reply, and he said, that'll be lovely. So then we he, he met with us, and he um, left a whole stack of oysters and wine and, you know, tea towels with Bert Munro on it. And the <laughs> Always hustling, that guy. It was lovely, yeah. And so you've, you've got quite a, a gorgeous line-up of siblings as well. I do. Um, when you went back to Rotorua from Invercargill, how did how did that work? How did you all trek up there and catch a ferry? Or oh yeah, well our family was a bit poor harder, so we were all in a station wagon. Those were the good old days when you didn't need safety belts or car seats; you just rolled around in the back. And there was like six kids, uh, and you know one of them was a baby. I don't know how that worked. I think Mum had the the kid in a in like a a basket, probably in the front or something. You know. So yeah, we, we, uh, when my grand, Māori grandmother died, 
uh, my father got the call to come back to Rotorua, so we moved in with my uh, Māori um, koro, Hema, who, um, and my father's oldest brother. So my koro was very old school. He, was, um, he didn't speak a lot of English. Um, so I did quite well in Māori at school, but if he'd asked me to pass the butter in Māori in the dining room at home, I just about freaked out. Uh, so, so he was a wonderful person to be around. And, and so where was your first sort of, um, you know, introduction to the learning of te reo Māori? Where did that happen? Oh, well, Dad would say, hoi te moi, hoi hoi, hoi ki te kai, that was about it. Mum always wanted to learn Māori, but Dad wasn't that fussed about teaching her. And he had, a, you know, he had his mouth washed out with soap at school. So he was still traumatised by that. Uh, so he just, uh, he could speak Māori, but he never really encouraged it. So, yeah, we didn't learn a lot when we were at home. Just the useful phrases, like be quiet and go to sleep. And, and come and eat. Yeah. The most yeah. useful. Oh, most useful. And then you end up, you go to St. Joe's. St. Joseph's Māori Girls College. My best friend had enrolled there. And so I said, I want to go where my best friend is. And mum, mum and dad were like, oh, it's so expensive to go to boarding school. And they scraped around. And then I got in there. I think it was only about $110 a term back then in the 1800s. And, uh, and guess what? My bloody mate didn't go. I turned up there and everybody looked the same in their school uniform. My parents left me there <laughs> with the nuns. Bless the nuns. And, of course, the legendary Dame Georgina Kingi. Dame Georgina Kingi. Miss Kingi. Miss Kingi. Yeah. I, I, um, so Hine Wehimohi, who's a, a friend yes. of yours, and also went to St. Joe's along yes. with Pretty Michael Black and Maisie Rika. Yeah. And in fact, Dame Georgina is still the principal of St. Joe's School today. Yeah, she is. She is a legend. She taught us biology and Maori, um, and the, it was run by nuns, uh, and they were fantastic. I liked it. I thought they were very feminist. The nun, the, the women did everything except for the women, benediction and the Holy Communion and the confessions. They did everything. They ran the place. And uh, but Georgina had a. I think that the singing at St. Joseph's Māori Girls College was really exquisite. She really put a lot of time into dynamics, vocal dynamics. And I remember going there and, and sort of saying to these girls who were singing, how do you know, how do you know where to harmonise? Uh, and they go, oh, you just jump on a note and you just... It's like being in a, in a squadron like an air force, and you just all, but you get a bit lazy sometimes, because eh, you're just like, oh, I'm a bit ho-ha with that one, I'll jump on that note. Um, but that's where I learned a lot of a lot of um, harmonies and about dynamics at school, and songwriting too there. And were you a good student? I was a good, I was a duck. <laughs> my, my koro was very proud, he told everyone I was a duck. <laughs> I was a duck's koro, hey, ducks. ducks. <laughs> yeah, I was a good girl. Yes, yeah. I, I had actually heard that. Yeah, yeah. and because um, so I had all these, I had all these siblings, so I couldn't, you know, I couldn't be not be not a good girl. And did they come through? Did One did. My sister Kira Lee did, and the rest went to MacKillop College in Rotorua. Ah. More nuns, yeah. And so, and this was another interesting thing I read that in 1979, you went off to see Bob Marley play in Auckland. Oh yeah, wouldn't you? If you were born yeah. then, Tama? Well, I. <laughs> I was three. <laughs> I hate him sometimes. <laughs> what was that like? Oh, my mate and I, Edna, 
um, Hon, who's married to, to Erudor Flavel. She's my bestie from St. Joe's. We were at Waikato University together and we heard that Bob was coming. And so we thought, uh, we'll just hitchhike to Auckland because that's what you do when you're about 17 years old. So we hitchhiked. Oh, we went out to Terapa and then um, we were waiting for a ride and it started to rain a bit like this. And this really hoodie car pulled up with all these guys in front. And we're thinking, oh, God, they look a bit dodgy, but geez, it's raining. They look dodgy, but geez, it's raining. Let's get in the car. And they said, where are you going? We said, we're going to Bob Marley in Western Springs. They said, I said, where are you going? They said, we're going to a convention. We're Mormon elders. <laughs> kia ora. Kia ora, elder. Thank you. Oh, and that was just, that was the first uh, concert I'd ever been to. And it was... It was it was a one love. It was really was one love. It was very special. Yeah. So music always present, always part of your life. Back then, though you'd gone into, you know, Auckland University to study law, did you were you thinking of music as a career then? Or um, that it could be? No. No, I um I sang in clubs with my mate Aruaro, that's Irana's um sister to pay my way through university. So that's how we'd, we'd, we'd also win alcoholic beverages and frozen chickens. So that was kind of handy. Um, and so I, I sang to keep myself at university. And then the more I learned about how the law was used as a tool of colonization, the more conflicted I felt about it. And I have to say, I lay that completely at the feet of my professors. Jane Kelsey and David Williams. Yeah, they are the ones that kind of like put me wrong. All right, I think Jane would say. Yeah. And so you swapped tools I in did. a sense. And, and instead of writing uh, essays, you, you started to write songs. It, no, it took a while to write the songs because it wasn't until Dalvanias came along. So I just was singing R&B, soul, you know, funk. Yeah, and the pubs. The pubs where the tables were bolted to the ground, just in case someone threw them. So there's a pub out in, um, it's called the Flying Jug, but you won't, you won't be able to find it if you Google. It's the East Tamaki Tavern. But <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. Gang pads played in the, you know, they don't, they don't clap in gang pads. They just go. They always pay on time. Give you a great kai. That was back in the day. Wow. So back when you actually had live music venues in all Live Auckland. music venues. Not so common now. Mm, no. The Temple, <coughs> gone. Java Dive, oh, gone. The Glue Pop, gone. Cleopatra, something Trillos. I used to play in Club 21. Yeah. Yeah, it was very I'm, cool. I'm giving you that glazed. <laughs> I used to have to not aware of bloody those Madonna every night because she was in the top ten. Yeah. And I, I remember um, you've talked quite a bit about, or I remember this story when you talk about going to the States and um, meeting, being asked to stand up in a, in a gospel church yes. and sing yeah. because here's this famous Māori singer from New Zealand. <clears throat> And the sister can sing. I know. It was one of those moments that you think, no. 
So I was there with um, my lovely uncle Sid Jackson and his wife Deirdre Nair, who were in the Detroit Baptist Church, and we were guests of the Nation of Islam, which the head of is a man called um, Minister Louis Farrakhan. So, and we went to this amazing ecumenical gathering, and um, Reverend Al Sharpton was there from New York. We went down with them. I don't know how the heck I ended up at this thing, but honestly, it was like an it was like a nightclub. It was this a most amazing church. Everyone was really dressed up to the nines, and the singing was sublime. It was like a, a Michael Jackson kind of choir on the back, and then this guy wandering around like a preacher. He looked like James Brown and a band, and we were sitting there going, "Oh my God, everyone in New Zealand would love this. I'd love it." And then and then the Reverend said. Brothers and sisters, today we have a popular Maori singer. <laughs> I was thinking, okay. And he's going, her name is Mona Jackson, because I was married to Jackson back then. Mona Jackson. And, uh, you know, stand up. So I stood up. I was like, oh, Kilda, Kilda. They went, sister, you're going to get up and sing. I was thinking, holy moly, I don't think so. I've just heard like a Shaka Khan sound alike, you know, sing a heart out who was, who was a nobody from the neighborhood. And this elderly woman who was about 80 with bifocal lenses shuffled to the front on one of those walker things and bout the hell out of a gospel tune. And they're saying, sister, go on, get up and sing. And then they're all going, yay, sister, get up and sing. Ooh. And I was just like, honestly, having a heart attack. So I turned to my Uncle Sid, who was one of the greatest unionists in New Zealand. Uncle Sid, what are we going to sing? What do you mean we, says the man who fought for solidarity and unity. You go up there and don't you let us down. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I went up there and I was thinking, because I used to sing, you know, black songs and I was surrounded by black people. I'm thinking, okay, I had my epiphany. Oh, let's sing a Māori song. They won't know the words. And if I stuff it up, it's all good. So I sang, um, and I was a bit, I oh, give myself about a five out of ten, but they really loved it. So I survived. And that was my kind of a thing. I thought, I'm going to come back and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do Māori stuff. Mm. They really liked it. Yeah. And, and I felt good. And so you did, and then some. Yeah. So you came back, epiphany happens. I mean... It's funny because, you know, g going back, you actually started in Te Reo Māori anyway. Yeah, I did. I did Kārihi Wahine, which is an old school song. And was that the one you recorded in the lab? I did record that in the lab. Jeepers, yeah, a long time ago, yes. It's, it's still going? And that was just, there was, I mean, I don't know what we were thinking. You know, it got, I think, got one spin at about four o'clock in the morning on a, on RNZ. You know, it was just, it was just, I don't know. I don't know what we were thinking. So then we, uh, I went with uh, Murray Kamek. We released Black Pearl. He, it was his suggestion. And that kind of went up the charts. And then, and that was a surprise to us. I mean, it was a cover. I didn't write it. But I was nine months pregnant and we threw as many Māoris in the video as we could. Um, just to make a point that we're still here. And then, and that went really well. It, Got to number two. He was beaten out by the white dude called Bart Simpson who had some silly song. Um, and a series, so you can't beat that. And then and then I thought, okay, let's release A-E-E or U about saving our language and, yeah, how to pronounce it because our, our names and our words have been so mutilated. And we thought, this is just going to do it. It's a cool dance track. And it just got nothing. 
it got whitelisted. That's what happened. So at, at an awards one year, I got an award, and then um, I said, oh, could everyone put their hands up? Who's heard um, the three finalist songs in these, uh, this category? It was a Māori category. And was it the Māori. mana Māori music okay, I think that me and Willie changed it to mana Māori. It was like... 1993. Previously, there was nothing. There was kind that. of... They had some silly category, which it was... The Polynesian They must have just called it the brown award. bit. <laughs> it was you called know. the... The best Polynesian oh, album. No. And you have a, oh, you had albums and singles and <laughs> so I said, Who who has heard the three songs in this in this um, category? And no one put their hand up. I said, See? See? My point is you don't hear it on the radio. It's racist. Anyway, so then I met the um, the programmer came up. This, it was a lovely lovely guy. He came up and said, Moana, you make me feel like I'm a member of the Ku Klux Klan. I said, no, it's just that you guys are kind of racist and how you don't play our music. Because, and he goes, no, but it just doesn't fit the format. So Willie and I said, why don't you come around for dinner to Otahuhu? So we sat down, he came around, he's a lovely guy. He said, oh, it's just that, you know, this station is um, easy listening. I go, oh, look, here's a Hinawehi song. Listen to this. Ah, oh, isn't that beautiful? Easy listening. Oh, and this one is a rock station song. Oh, oh my God, look, here's another song from another band. By the end of the night, and after a couple of beers, he goes, "You're right, it's the real." Yeah. So we just, but we just carried on. Nothing changed much. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you say that, but I mean, things did change, and by you standing up and and calling people out and actually having the courage to say that, along well, came people like me and people like me. Well, I mean, I have to like say that um, I have to say that Delvanius made the big stand. And, uh, you know, with Poirier, the last Te Reo Māori song that hit the radio charts, and that was in 1984. And then um, and then he had, you know, he was with Moi Pepairangi, um, you know, Aotearoa, though they didn't really hit the mainstream. Iwi Radio was good. That made a big difference, Iwi Radio. So hidden in Melbourne, he was a huge game changer. So, you know, I'm just part of a, a whole continuum. Mm. Now... I think it's probably a good time to hear some music. Oh, don't you? Little, little don't, bash. don't you think? So, um, so, what's up first? Oh, okay. Well, um, we're going to sing a song called Treaty, which we did because Tama, he did this lovely thing last year. He asked me if I'd play with um, John Toogood, Rob Ruha, and Warren Maxwell. And my first reaction was to say, "Are you kidding? Oh my God, they're so flash." Um, anyway, he, he, he sort of talked me around to it, him and Carla, and it was Songs of Revolution. We had to pick songs from our repertoire that had a sort of a, a political message that we really liked and then rework them. So I um, loved being with those gentlemen. They were just, they, we called ourselves the Carbo Loaders Band because they liked their kai. And, um, and we got on really well. So I want to do a song, a rework of Treaty, which was on, I think, Rua. And this is the, the version that we did uh, did with the guys. So I'm going to bring on Kadzo, my favouritest guitar in the whole wide world. He's been with me longer than I've been with any of my husbands. <laughs> Nadia Reid had a good term the other night. <laughs> she, she referred to her guitarist as her, her long-term guitarist. Oh, yes. My long-term friend. Oh, and then um, lovely Carolyn, Carolyn, um, Shevin Boyd. Who's a wonderful singer, beautiful singer. And then our, our dear friend, George Yakich, who comes from Muriwai. Got any Muriwaiians here? 
Oh, chair, chair. Here we go. Okay, we'll have a bash. I really appreciate that you're not at home getting ready for the wedding. Thank you. <laughs> I had a dear friend. I said, will you come out to this thing tonight? She goes, no, I'm wedding watching. I said, are you serious? You're such a radical woman. Hey, I don't know. Represent red, white, and black from the abyss. Erupt like blue a bear who cover the land like mist. Harama ite po, uri uri kite omaroma. Hear the voice of Tipuna echo throughout the valley. On a white was signed back in 1840, attacking our peace, spirituality, self autonomy, fought for with a vengeance. Resurrect to seek justice. So uplifting is a shit. Takahia. Separated, segregated from my culture, destroyed from within. Deprived of heritage in the system Swearing allegiance to the Queen of Mother England Tinora na tiratanga is what you hear From Tanga to Fenua for sure Sibe, we much cause we care Got a hunger for knowledge and global consciousness So far we got a way to go, but it ain't easy. No, 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 there's more corn on the parchment and blood across the land. Our people are a future, and our future's in our own hands. Go. Oh.
That's actually one of my favourite songs of yours. I used to, um, <coughs> when I was at university, I'd open up all the windows in the house, turn it on really loud, and especially at the start where it says, We're Māori and we won't get justice until we got a Māori flag. <laughs> Treaty! I love, I love that part. Oh, Who so, was that? Oh, so, um, so what happened was that during the 90s, the fiscal envelope, the, the um, government had this brilliantly stupid idea that all treaty settlements would be wrapped up by a certain time and within a, a billion dollar cap. So you can imagine how well that went down. So there were a number of hui, it was called the, um, the fiscal envelope. So there was a number of hui and I went to one of them um, uh, at Hidangi, hosted by my, uh, our ātaki from Tuwharatoa, happy to hear you. And um, so everyone, all the different tribes were there, they're going, nah, nah, you cannot, um, you cannot, th that's not justice, just saying it's convenient, we're going to, you know. Uh, anyway, they, they all had a massive hucker about it, and rightly so. And then some of the, um, the radio um, recordings of the hui were being played on mana, mana media at that time. Uh, so I asked for some of the samples. So it's someone's mother that we know, a musician. Oh, no, I know who it is. I know. No, it's D DJ Perofessor. It's his mum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was thinking about that when I was singing because I'm doing a documentary series now on treaty settlements. And uh, honestly, the um, the pain of the um, of the people that we interview it's it's so real and alive. It's like, and I and I um, was talking with Cameron Bennett recently, and he said that that's something he's learned as a journalist that um, these stories, these things that happened in 1830, 1860, 1890, through the 1900s, they are real, they're so alive. It's People talk about it as if it's still happening. So that's, mm. you know, that's um, a special song. Well, it's yeah. a, a lived and inherited trauma that's uh, generational. Intergenerational, yeah. yeah. And so um, th this, this, I mean, you you call it artivism, don't you? Yeah. It's but it's prevalent throughout all of your music. But it's not, you know, no one is just one thing. There are heartfelt. I mean, there's Aroha. Who was it? Was it Shefu? Shefu? Shea Guevara, who said something <laughs> that said that at, at the heart of every revolution is tenderness. Mm. I think Alice Walker might have said that oh, no, a few I years ago at a. a, a festival do here which is where i stole it from and, and I, I didn't I actually think, um, read anything to learn that i just sat and listened <laughs> i think and maybe got um, it wrong. jimmy cliff too yeah because uh, we did a song of his called rebel if the rebel and you can touch a rebel and me if the lover and you can touch the lover and me so the sentiment was that you you're a warrior but you're a warrior with compassion mm. you have to have aroha otherwise what's the point mm. yeah so that's um that's uh i think that's that's the secret and it's, it's, I mean, does it, in reflection, you know, I mean, you had that big night of, of being inducted into the 
New Zealand Music Hall of Fame. Indicted. <laughs> and, <yeah. laughs> to my ex-husband said, I was induced. Induced. <laughs> I said that night well, I was really would, tired. What after would all he that. know about being induced? <laughs> yes. Um, and you know, when you're able to have a moment like that where you can actually sit and reflect and look back on on all of those moments, but all of those fafai, but and then also all those moments of tenderness as well. Where do you think we are now? Um, I th I think that I think there are more Pākehā allies now. I think there are more Pākehā who think actually the values, the traditional Māori values, are um, as something that we can all benefit for. That that we're in such a a tumultuous world that um, the traditional beliefs, which say that everything is connected, the earth, the the sea, humans, we're part of a ecosystem and a <coughs> you know, we're we're a part of a life force as opposed to lording over it and exploiting it. I think there's more and more people that agree that that's something that probably all cultures had, you know. That's what we share with indigenous people. That's what um, we share with a lot of Pākehā New Zealanders. So that's gratifying. There's there's people that don't feel threatened. I think one of the dangerous spaces that we get into is that we can get very complacent. And I had a go at RNZ uh, because they had um, Don Brash on. Okay, so I think it's very easy for everyone to listen to Don Brash and think, Okay, he's a lunatic, he's a racist, and he's a moron because he doesn't actually know the history. And then people can pat themselves on the back and think, well, we don't have those, you know, we, we don't have a problem with Tadell, blah, 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 blah. And what they don't do is really ask the hard questions themselves. So RNZ didn't ask the hard questions of themselves. What does your institution look like? Where are the Māori in your structures? Where are the Māori voices on radio, where are the Māori hosts? Where are the Māori management? We had one or two people sprinkled everywhere. So I think it's really dangerous to, um, it's, a, it's an entertaining thing to put people out there like Don Brash and everyone can feel superior, but it's a dangerous thing too because we just get stuck in the same rut and we don't really move. And we have that sense of complacency, I suppose, because yeah. we're, you know, thanks to the joys of social media, we're all in our echo chambers of self-congratulatory <laughs> bliss, mm. pretending that nobody's actually out there out to get you. I remember someone saying to me, just because you're, you're not paranoid doesn't mean they're not out to get you. <laughs> <laughs> A terrible no. teacher I once had. Um, so, you know, fast forward a bit through, through, through to now. Mm. When you've been pretty much, I mean, where haven't you been? Uh, to some of the most remote places in the I world. I haven't been to um, the Middle East and places like, yeah, that. Gildara. Yes, yes, exactly. I nearly got there. It was really there good. was another discussion, yeah, but I nearly got there, yeah. So, uh, and... I suppose the reason I'm asking that is because you've made a lot of connections mm. around the globe, a lot of um, links with not just with indigenous artists, but with artists, with uh, you know thinkers, with activists, mm. with people who 
who do align with that, uh, I mean, that whakaaro Māori, that we are, we're not the tuakana, we're not the mm. the big elders of the the world, we're actually, you know, the tainer of the natural environment, yeah. the natural world. Um, they're our tuakana. And so you, you've made a lot of these connections through, you know, documentary, through storytelling, through music. Um, what... What do you feel about the fact that actually Māori music has a massive platform on an international stage, mm. and how do you think that compares to back home? Um, well, I, I, I have to um, give credit to my manager and friend, Sol de Soleil, who uh, has taken us to... He plugged us into every festival that he could uh, around Europe. So we would end up playing at the Montreux Jazz Festival or the... Austrian Sun Splash Reggae Festival. I'm like, so we're not reggae, we're not jazz. He goes, don't worry about it. Um, so he took us to all those places. Um, and I think I think that the term Māori music is a really interesting one because I think it's a very fluid one. <clears throat> like, all Māori music isn't the same. It's like saying New Zealand music or Pākehā music. So it's a double-edged sword. The thing that's it's always challenging is if it's in te reo or if it has a strong political or social consciousness, that's where it's always challenging because people don't like to hear about often our baggage here in New Zealand. They're all good over there in um, Russia if you were singing about, you know, our story here. But in New Zealand, it's kind of like people um, for a long time were a bit freaked out about it. But the environment has changed. Um, so I think there's a lot more um, openness. And I think that when, if I look back now, and I think when I first came out and was writing music, it was about challenging the mainstream. It was about challenging, um, you know, with, with um, Parker and the government and saying, we're still here. So, you know, I was going to say something rude then, but I, I won't. Um, we're still here. So um, uh, here we are. This is what we look like. This is our dance, this is our song, this is our thinking. You know, take it or leave it, we're not going away. So that's how it was in the front, in the first part. And it was also saying to particularly Māori women, hey, we're okay, we're okay. Man, we've got a, you know, so many challenges, but we're actually, we're bloody beautiful. You know, no matter what we look like, what, what we do. So it was that kind of a thing. But, but in the last, I guess, 10 years, it's been... It's been reaching out to lots of, lots of people, um, Pākehā, um, people overseas, um, to say, hey, look, we're all in this together. Um, so it's just naturally morphed into an inclusiveness. We're not alone. We are not alone. Yeah, there you go. Mm. Which seems like a good moment to maybe oh, pause. Yeah. Okay. And, um, sorry, I'm jabbering away like a blue. No, don't be sorry. It's only me who has to apologise for talking too much. I don't want to go to the wedding stuff. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Where's Vash? Right? Yeah, not alone. Yeah. So that was the not so subtle. So it was so obvious, kids. I've come so far. A journey. Been along searching for something. 
a place to belong a wind and the waves they carried me a hope can move mountains a faith destroy Kezo was after a concert in the Arctic 
Kedzo might have had a couple of vodkas and was walking by a river by the site and he saw this half-naked woman in the river. And he thought, that's not right. I better jump in and save her because why would she be in the river? So he's about to leap in and this guy yells out and says, hey, get out of our shot, you're in the way. <laughs> they were filming something, eh, kids? He's been fun to tour with. I mean, there's a, a lot of reasons um, I admire you. Um, not, you know, not the least of, of which is your music, but that song comes from Rima, album number five. And you are proudly an artist who is making their living out of their music and has always been since... Tahi, and out of their art, yeah. Which is not easy to do. It's not. I, ha I have had little divergence because my partner, Toby Mills, is a wonderful filmmaker and documentary maker. So when we got together, he thought, she's lovely, but yeah, no. He thought, um, he thought oh, she could be quite handy in my um, documentary making because I had a few hookups. So we started doing documentaries together and that's been absolutely wonderful. So that's storytelling um, with pictures and, and words and, um, and I love that as well as, uh, you know, writing. Yeah. But what do you think the secret to maintaining a, um, you know, and we won't pretend it's, it's a Madonna economy, but what, is, what has been your, some of your tools in your kitty that you've used to kind of navigate that distance? I, I think I've been lucky because, um, because I like, uh, because I, I like storytelling and, and so filmmaking and, and writing has, and I like plotting, I love plotting. So I like, I like to do advocacy, so sometimes I can get little bits of work um, you know, um, doing things maybe in the education or health or whatever because I can bring people together. So I think that's probably the most useful thing. I can bring people together. Um, and that's been really enriching for me. I reckon I know more people in New Zealand than a lot of um, politicians actually because through music and through filmmaking and through my family who are involved in education, my friends who are involved in health, who are involved in politics, there's these incredible networks, and I'm just, I'm just one that's got, you know, a, a profile face. But my mates are hardcore, little game-changing flamethrowers, at like the DHB or the Independent Māori Statutory Board, or you know, and so you know we get together and we're plotting, plotting revolution, a better New Zealand, a vision. And, and there's a lot of you here tonight. I know. I have seen the plotters come through the door. I'm so proud you do. And what's, what's your top three plots, plans? Oh, I pl I'll just transform New Zealand. Tra uh, transform it so that it looks like and it feels like Aotearoa. So it's inclusive. So it's a place that where everyone feels like they belong. And it's based on values that um, recognise that we are, we are all 
in relationships with each other and with the land and all that. It sounds a bit greeny, I know, but I know in my heart, this is all good. This is the way to go. Yeah, that's my, that's my main thing. That's a, it's sort of a big one, no way. It'd be yeah. better to like, I, I should build a house or if something like that. We've done that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just want to talk a little bit about the writing side of things and, you know, awards and all of that stuff aside, writing music in Te Reo Māori and working with and collaborating with you know, composers of, mm. of Te Reo. Can you talk us through that? Because you've worked with a lot of different yeah. people yeah. in different ways. Um, so Ngāhiwi Apanui was the leader of a band called Aotearoa, which had um, luminaries in it like Judge Joe Williams. is fantastic. Oh, God, he's a great singer. And um, so that was a band that was a bilingual band, very stand-up. Uh, Māori politics. Maranga Oh yeah, fantastic song. I loved it. So they were very um, influential. I joined their band. We always wore black. We were quite staunch. I quite like that. Um, I'd come out of the club scene, so I was, you know, ready to like, yeah, let's do something meaningful. And then, um, and then of course was Dalvanius. Um But the first person I really worked with in the real sense was Haredu Yapurhama, who's a wonderful vocalist, beautiful writer. So he'd say, come down to Ratanapa, come down to Ratanapa. So, oh, okay. So I'd go down to Ratanapa. And he'd just like, he'd, he's got these brothers and they're all really, they can all play every instrument, eh? And, and the two of them are identical twins. So when I had the more hunters, if Ruya couldn't come, I'd just take Rania. Because they looked exactly the same and they sang exactly, and they could play trumpet and sax. Um, oh, they're just neat because they're in that rat in a band. So um, Ruya would, the brothers would put the chairs out on the lawn and then they'd, they'd put me, they'd put a, a, a sofa out and they'd say, sit there. Then they'd play all these songs. They'd say, pick, pick a song. Pick some songs you like and put them on your first album. So um, I worked with, um, did some of his songs and then we started collaborating. Um, so that was a really lovely relationship. And with other people too, like um, Hardy Williams. Uh, I had Tama Iti staying with me at a particular challenging time in his life when he needed to be somewhere. <laughs> and I thought, well, while you're here, bro, why don't you come and like sing on my song, Moko? He says, okay, okay, okay. So, so we go in there and he's recording. He recorded the intro to Moko. And I'm very proud of that. song did really well and I loved it. And it was inspired by him. Um, but Scotty Morrison has really been my main wingman. He's just the most generous, wonderful person. He's so knowledgeable and he's really kind. And I think that we both challenge each other. Um, well, his reo is pretty flash, eh? So that's always a bit challenging for me. I mean, there's reo and there's like a reo. He's like a reo, you know? Um, so sometimes I just go, actually, Scotty, why don't you do this bit in this song? <laughs> because there's just, and can you do it a certain way? It's different from a topara para. I want you to do it like this. He's like, hmm, it's more different, it's a bit different. Yeah, yeah. Different is good. Different is good. Um, so yeah, he's been really wonderful. So we've been working on my next album together. Hmm. And you, of course, the late, great Dr. Hirini Melbourne. I know. He was my lecturer at university. I never used to go uh, on my first year because it was pretty, it was like he'd start the year and he'd go, okay, can anyone speak Māori? And we'd all go, I mean, who's going to say yeah? Who's going to say yeah? And we'd all go, 
He go, okay. Can anyone say kawaii uh, doing or can anyone say anything? He go, okay. Could, let's start with a, e, e. So I just stopped going, eh? And then I, I, when I turned up one time, he wasn't even there. Um, but he was a wonderful professor and he was a very generous person and he, he gave me lyrics and he was always, I, I'd say, Hidden, are you okay with me using it this way and that way? He'd go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he was really lovely and, and a great inspiration to Hinewehi. Mm. And then, um, just trying to think of all those like songs like Te Tokowaru and... Yeah, so Pat Patu Hohepa, some of you might know him, wonderful man from up north. He was a professor at Auckland University. I went and stayed with him and and his um, partner of the time, Atareta Puananga. Uh, and uh, we, I don't know how we started talking about Te Tokowaru and what an amazing warrior he was. And uh, next minute... Um, I'm saying, let's write the story. So that you know, that came out as a song, and the champion of the battle of the beak of the bird. And I thought I thought that our heroes needed to be celebrated, and people like Titokawaru weren't. So I've loved playing that song at WOMAD and going down there and singing it, and you know these great. And with Kai Haka on stage, one yeah. of whom was Scotty Morrison. He was, but now I try and bring him out. He goes, "Oh, mate, the knees are a bit shot." <laughs> <laughs> And then, of course, you infuse not just the the reo itself, the language, but also the sounds of the the Maori world. So, bringing in traditional Maori instruments, taonga puro, yes. working with Richard Nuns and Horo yes. Muna Horo, taking you, him. You on know, um, I have to say that the first time I did it, I, I was pretty fresh, so I sampled a lot of stuff, you know, and I'd, I'd gone down to um, Hidani and I'd said, "Oh, what do you think about this?" He's like, "Yeah, yeah." It's all good, you know. He's pretty greasy, dude. And then I then I get a I get a um I don't think uh, we don't we didn't have phones in those days. So I got an um, email from Richard Nunn saying, "Well, that was very lovely that song. You do know that's all my stuff on there." <laughs> I was like, "Oh no, I didn't, Matua." Anyway, so Richard and I started a wonderful working relationship. Gosh, he was wonderful. We we took him around the world a lot, eh, kids? Richard, and he's this really big, um, very pale park, our man. Um, and we'd say, okay, we need to make you kind of blend in a bit there, Rich. How about a black shirt? And he'd go, black shirt, black shirt. And he's got a big bone. I mean, yeah, yeah no, nah, you don't blend in. It's all good, bro. It's all good. <laughs> we love you as you are. And he was, he was one, he could play macaroni. He would pull out macaroni and he'd just blow on it and make a song out of it. He was, um, so I'm a clarinetist, as you know. He is so flash. <laughs> yes. And, and met uh, Moana after my 1992 debut as a sixth former. Um, we met in Munich, of all places, in München. München, um, I happened to be there, courtesy of my record label, who were sorting out my visa, so they put me up for four months. In a he, had, he had really curly long hair like mine. But curlier, yep. he was so cute. Yeah, look what happened. <laughs> Still cute. Still cute. So, so, so we met each other, and then I remember performing eight kids performing. And I'm thinking, sure, I can hear a third harmony. Hello, now who's I up to, there? I have to inter interrupt you there because see, she tells this story. He did. He just got. She up tells <laughs> it all over the place, and it has morphed and mutated and changed and become oh, rubbish. Quite <laughs> interesting, but I have, you know, my memory's a bit. Oh, go on, focused. Then. Go on. <laughs> Did I say, could you get up? So, 
No, I came and stalked you. <laughs> I was out, out. Um, I think what was the Tollwood? Tollwood Festival. Tollwood Very Festival. Cool. Tollwood, and um, I was out in the audience having a boogie, and then came and said hello, and we um, got chatting, and then talked about what I was doing, and mentioned that I played the clarinet, and Ria was there. Oh yes, there and been then you had a show in the a venue. It wasn't, it wasn't the Spiegel tent. It was in Munich. House of something or other. Le Spielhaus. Spielhaus. And then you asked me to come exactly. and play clarinet on Did Little I? Bird. Oh. Yes. Gee, and that was very and then, inspired of me. And then Drea gave me a lesson in clarinet. Oh. Speaking of people who can <laughs> play anything, he said, oh, no, because he'd written the song, hadn't yes, he? Yes. Yeah, he picked up the clarinet. And so, so it goes like this. And I was like, why am I playing it? <laughs> On your song. And then, so that was all I was supposed to do. I was just meant to play clarinet on this one song. And then we got in the tour bus and we went to Austria and played. As in you a, do? In, in the Spiegelhaus, yes. House of Mirrors. And that was all I was meant to do. And then, you, ta you take over now. You got up on the stage. <laughs> And started singing. And, but other it was really cute because I had these my two my sister and my dear friend Amadia and there and then I'm and that and then I can just see this and they go, jiving around there, check him out. But this man, he's a wonderful, wonderful vocalist. He he would not have been a vocalist if he hadn't had an accident. And I make that story bigger than a bread box because something <laughs> fell on his head and I've transformed it into an air conditioning unit. <laughs> and that damaged him severely. And um, and so he just, because he couldn't play the clarinet, because he had terrible things happening in his head, he started singing. Well, we're all the better for it. Wonderful, wonderful vocalist. Anyway, that, yeah. But back to you. <laughs> <laughs> back to you. So our, our history goes back away. But um, are you going to sing us a song tonight in Te Reo Māori? Oh, okay. Yes. Oh, boys, well, hey. Okay, that would be Kahu, I think, wouldn't it? Okay. And now why Tote Nei Waiata? Who wrote oh, this? Oh, okay. So I wrote this with um, one of our Haka guys, Tuhoi Huata. And we took it to I took it to Neil Finn, actually. Uh, he was very supportive of us. Um, I think he was wanting to dabble in Maori, you know, Maori music, so uh, we recorded in the in the basement of his house. He had a recording studio there. And it was a bit weird because the timing's all out. Um, so I made up the melody. And he said, oh, this is a bit strange. How do we fit the vocals and the time? And, you know, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? And then in the end, he just said, well, you just sing it. I'll just work around. So that's how we did it. So this, this is a beautiful song. And I gave this song as a gift to Brian Flintoff, who's a beautiful, um, do you know Brian? Yeah, beautiful. Great instrument maker, yeah, maker. A friend of Richard Nunn's, Pākehā man from Motueka, uh, as a gift to thank him. So, um, it's a story of the um, of why the giant eagle is no longer here in New Zealand, because it had a competition with the giant hawk to see which one could fly the highest, and the giant eagle stayed focused and went upwards towards the three baskets of knowledge and the hawk was a bit distracted by lady hawks and fires and things so um, this is a metaphor for um, focusing on what you really want on your dreams featuring George 
on bass. First time playing with us. Lovely. Kids and George. 
could I, um, Tama, could I just introduce you all to my beautiful friend? This is this is Caroline, and she is actually Swiss. She's not Maori. She's Maori at heart. She's my soul sister. And she's uh, moved here to New Zealand, and I'm so uh, grateful that she's my friend with her beautiful voice. She's just stunning. So she's got the real down pat. <laughs> Kia ora, thank you. Well, I mean, Kahu, beautiful song, and, and sort of fitting too as we sit here in the seat of Ngati Fatua and uh, looking ahead to next week, next weekend, which is 40 years since. Uh, the eviction occurred at Bastion Point, Takaparofo, and um, and to think about where we are today and where we've come and where we've yet to go. Yeah. Um, any, I mean, I I hope that your uh, wawata come come to be and that your plots and your plans hatch. And I've seen the evidence of your plotting and your planning. I've I've been in many cases, the recipient of it, either directly or indirectly. So um, I just want to mihi to you. Um, for the, the, the path you've cleared and laid and still walk uh, and wish you all the, the greatest successes in whatever your next adventures are. Mm, and I, I look forward to ono, ono. and fitsu and Waru. This is going to be a hard one to put on the title. Fitu is going to get mutilated, I know. <laughs> um, Thank you I, so much. I am going to ask you to do one more, but before before you do, um, please join with me in, oh. in thanking the wonderful Moana Maniapoto. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. It's like a this is your life. This is what happens when you get over 50. <laughs> hey, thank you so much. And But you know, I, I tell you something that I'm really proud of. I'm really proud that there are people like Tama around and Anahita Higgins and Emery Wano and Atapapa and Maisie Ricker and Roa Bruja and Alien Weaponry and Ray and so many people now that there's, there's a real whanau. It's just wonderful, and we have great advocates and arts managers. We've got shakers and movers, and we're all part of the whole, you know, this platoon of warriors. There's a whole bunch of us, Māori and Parker, and I think that's the, that's the most exciting part. We're going to bloody win. I know it. <laughs> we're going to do it. <laughs> so we're going we're gonna, to we'll sing Whole World's Watching, eh? Okay, yeah. I, I was inspired by the previous Prime Minister, the one back. Um, um, no, um, John Key. Because I didn't like him. So I was inspired to write this song. I mean, you know, nice person, but yeah, terrible policies and everything. So um, this is a song that sort of says that we're all, it's a, it's a wonderful world what we're in. We can, we can see what's going on. And people power is about um, ordinary families and, and people making a difference in their offices and their wherever, you know, speaking out against racism, sexism, whatever. So there's such a lot of um, joy and strength in people power. So I was inspired to write this when our, muri, our community in Muriwai hit the beaches to protest against seabed mining and, 
and um, and it was mamas dropping their kids off at sport and then, you know, hurrying to put a, um, a placard together and jumping in the car. That's what makes a difference, eh? Okay, here we go. Run, rabbit, run, rabbit, run, run, run. I'm thinking of John Key, I got the wrong verse. Did you wake up this morning feeling fine? Just a word of warning, you're living on borrowed time. The tide is turning every day. We're gonna wipe that smile off your face. The whole world's watching, the whole world's watching, oh yeah, the whole world's watching, come here, Tama, the whole world's watching, yeah, run, rabbit, run, rabbit, run, run.
Tonight. Thank you for having me here. I'm really honoured. You. You've been listening to a podcast from the 2018 Auckland Writers' Festival. You can find a range of other festival talks, interviews and discussions on iTunes and SoundCloud and on our website, writersfestival.co.nz.